Masechet Baba Kamadaf Yod Zayin. We complete the first pedic and we will begin the second pedic. So last Mishnah says, Ma ben tam le mu'ad. What is the difference between a short time and a short mu'ad? Uh, we know already from uh, the, uh, the the previous Mishnayot that short time the owner pays a half and for mu'ad pays an entire amount. So we're not talking about that. Rather, a different aspect of the difference between tam and mu'ad. Ela shatam mishalem chasinezik mi gufo mu'ad mishalem Besides the amount of that of, of, of payment that is different, also there is uh, the the way that it's paid is also different. For a short time, the uh, one that does the damage pays only up to a limit of the value of the uh, ox that gores. Uh, if the ox that gores is worth a hundred, then he pays um, a maximum of a hundred, even if the half damage is more than a hundred. So there is a limitation on even on the half payment there is a limitation whereas the owner of a short mu'ad has to pay the full amount of all the damage and he has to pay from his best property so it's not limited to the animal that gores he has to take out of pocket from his property and the best in order to make sure that payment is fulfilled in the most comprehensive way. The Gemara asks, "My Aliyah, what does this mean that he pays from the best?" He has to pay with the superior quality uh, uh, property that he has. And we see another place where it says Aliyah uh, Maale. This is when Chizkiyah, the king, the righteous king, died. And he it lies with his ancestors, and they buried him in Ma'ale. Uh, I don't know, you could maybe uh, imagine that it means on a high place, uh, on top of a mountain or a hill or something. Uh, no, it means that he was uh, buried in the best place of uh, together with his ancestors, David. He's from, from, from the Davidic lineage. What makes a certain burial plot uh, the best? That it will be together with the greatest in the family, and that refers to King David and King Shalomo. And so this he would be he was buried in the uh, uh, in the family dynasty plot together with the other great kings of Judea. Now we talked about uh, one king who was uh, who got a, a proper burial. So now we talk about King Asa, uh, another king of Judea, and his burial, where he was buried in um, in his uh, in his own uh, burial place um, that he had hewn out in the city of David. He prepared his own burial spot in an honored place, and he was uh, laid to rest there um, with perfumes and spices. This is Asa. So what does that mean, perfume and spices? Machloket between two Amoraim. Rabbi Elazar Amar Zine Zine. Rabbi Shemuel Banachmani Amar Besamim Shekol Amariach Behem Balide Zima. Rabbi Elazar interprets it to mean uh, uh, many different types of perfumes, many types of spices uh, would were buried with him, and this would be considered an honor to do for him, even until today in the Spanish Portuguese tradition, if a chazan, or dignified a leader of the community uh, uh, dies, uh, they have a custom to put a myrtle branch that smells nice uh, to, together with the body. Uh, so Rabbi Shemuel, however, says, um, it, this is referring to the, not only the number of different types of, uh, of perfumes, uh, but rather the power of the perfume. We put per, perfume that's so strong and seductive that anyone who smells it leads, uh, will lead them to uh, licentiousness. Uh, not that we're looking for that, but the point is that this is such a beautiful and, uh, and compelling smell is worthy to put for such an honored and great king. And now we saw one machloket between Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Shemuel Bar Nachmani uh, regarding a, an interpretation of a pasuk. And so we move to another uh, machloket between the same two sages about yet another pasuk. And this one is from Yirmiyah. 
who complains and says, um, they have dug a pit to trap me and have set snares for my feet. Yirmiyah's messages were not always so popular among the people. He said, you know, make peace with the Babylonians. And they saw that as being treacherous. And so uh, some of his enemies uh, dug a pit, literally, and uh, threw him into the pit and put snares for his uh, feet. Uh, so, but we're going to read it um, allegorically as well. Rabbi Elazar Amar Shechashaduhu Mizona. Rabbi Shemuel Banachmani Amar Shechashaduhu Meeshet Ish. Not only did they throw him into a pit, but they entrapped him uh, with false accusations. Rabbi Elazar said that they suspected him of being with a zona, um, and Rabbi Shemuel Banachmani said that they spread rumors and and suspicions that he committed. Uh, um, uh, adultery, and he slept with a married woman. Obviously, not true, but this would be to undermine his authority and his righteousness. Now we're trying to figure out where they get this from the Pasuk. When it says Shucha, uh, which literally means a, 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 a pit, how does that mean uh, either one of these interpretations? So we understand according to one that says Zona. We have a Pasuk in Mishle that says a Zona is a deep pit. It's a trap, right? You think it's, uh, oh, this will be fun. This will be uh, uh, a good thing to do. No, it's a trap. It's only going to lead to terrible things. So um, we understand why zona would be would be uh, why the word shucha would be would be interpreted as zona. And but according to the one who says eshet ish, Shemuel's opinion, how does uh, what's uh, how, what's the connection? Where do you see a pasuk that connects shucha, meaning a pit, to adultery? And the answer is wait, an adulteress is also a zona, right? It's even it's even worse, in fact. Um, the punishment for adultery is much worse than that for a zona. But it's included. It's one type of zona. Someone who is zona doesn't literally mean someone who is a prostitute that gets paid for uh, her service. Uh, anyone who uh, acts in an improper way, engages improper, illegal uh, relations, including an adulteress, is uh, also included in zona, so it's just a more one a more specific example. Now, a question the other way around. According to the opinion that they uh, suspected Yirmiyav Eshetish, and then we ha- we understand the pasuk Hanu Dichtivata Hashem Yadatet Kol Asatam Alay Lamavet. Yirmiyav further complains says Hashem, you know that their plans, my enemies' plans, are to kill me. So if they're uh, um, if they're accusing him of Eshetish, well, the punishment of Eshetish is in fact the death penalty, and so they're trying to convict him falsely and kill him. But if he's only that he was with his zona, it's not a good thing to do, but uh, there's no capital punishment. So what does he mean that they tried to kill me? And the answer is, Well, they actually also threw him into a pit full of mire where he would have drowned if that, not that he was uh, saved. Um, at the last moment by some friends. Darash Rava, my dictiv, you muhshalim le fanecha beayat apecha ase bahem. And so now we go to another, yet another pasuk in Yirmiya, and to interpret that. And this time Rava is explaining this pasuk, uh, says, let them be made a stumbling block before you, uh, deal with them at the t- in the time of your anger. Yirmiya prays that his enemies should uh, be punished by Hashem. Uh, what does this mean? Amadi mehalf nakadosh parachuribona shaolam. Yirmiyah was saying, even when they try to do something good, uh, in other words, uh, uh, when they uh, uh, when they are in front of you, right? Even when they come, these enemies, and they try to do a good act, like give charity, make them stumble. That's the muhshalim. Let them stumble, even when they are coming before you to like as if they're doing something good um, by making sure that their charity goes to unworthy people so that they don't get any reward. Um, in general, you know, we give charity. We hope that it gets to people that are worthy and it doesn't get into wrong hands and get embezzled or corrupt or go to evil people. So uh, it's important to uh, make sure that our charity is um, are really going to the right place. It's, it's part of our responsibility in overseeing, you know, organizations that give it out and see where it goes. Um, uh, as long as one tries, and so, you know, you still receive a, a benefit, you see from other sources, 
that you still get credit for giving tzedakah, even if, you know, sometimes it doesn't end up getting to, to the right place, uh, but you still get benefit. But if you know that it's going to the wrong place, then certainly you don't get benefit. And so that's Yirmiyah's prayer here, right? May it be that even when, they, when my enemies do something good, um, so-called good and give charity, I hope it will go to bad people and they won't get any credit at all because really they don't deserve it. And now we're going back to Chizkiah, which we started with. We went on a couple of tangents. Um, King Chizkiah, uh, they did great honor for him in his death. What did they do? They established the yeshiva at his grave and studied Torah uh, in his honor. Right? What greater uh, uh, honor can there be for that? Right, what do you want? A lot of flowers, a procession. Um, what, what better thing than uh, studying Torah, as uh, many people do today? Who will study uh, um, uh, Mishnah or um, other uh, Torah in memory of someone. How long did they set up a special session to uh, learn Torah in his memory? Uh, so one opinion says three days, another seven days, another said 30 days. We, we do, we do Arayat now, we do Kiri'ah um, of Tehillim, uh, Right or uh, other learning of Torah, and we in fact do that after seven days and after thirty days. So you see, um, this is a good source for that. Or another opinion of Baraita says, thirty-six, which means that they had thirty-six, not just thirty-six, but thirty-six thousand um, uh, men with bared shoulders. Uh, one of the mourning customs back then was to, uh, you know, like uh, not only tear one's clothes, but tear it so much that the uh, that the shoulder is bared, a sign of being depressed, uh, sorrowful. Uh, feeling totally dejected, um, apart from society, exposed, raw, uh, humiliated. Um, so all those feelings are reflected in this uh, practice. Um, so although today we only just, you know, uh, bear a little bit by tearing clothes, uh, this was an ancient thing to uh, bear one's, one's shoulder. Um, so, and for Chizkiah, since he was a, such a great king, 36,000 people uh, went around like that during the period of mourning. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi said, no, that can't be the great honor that they did for him because even for Achav, the evil king, uh, they did the same thing. It doesn't say so in Pesukim, right? but this is uh, based on a, uh, uh, his, uh, his own Midrash. And so that can't be the great thing that they did. The great honor that they did is they took a Torah scroll, um, put it on his coffin, and they said, uh, this one, meaning Chizkiah was buried here, fulfilled this one, meaning the Torah that we put upon him. And so that was, what a great honor, what great, is a greater eulogy than that, to say that this person fulfilled the whole Torah. Now we ask, but we do this also today, a Torah scholar, apparently is very interesting, we learned some of the funeral practice they did that. So we, we do that today also, so that's not, we do it for our own here, scholars, and so is that the, what's so great about doing it for Chizkiyah. And the answer is, Nowadays, yes, we do take out a Sefer Torah to show this person fulfilled the Torah, but we don't actually put it on the coffin nowadays, but they did that for Chizkiyah, so that was the greater honor. Or some say, we do in fact even, will put the Torah scroll Onto, uh, onto the coffin and nowadays, but we won't say this formula that he fulfilled everything that is written in that. That's an extra honor that they did for his kiyah, which we don't usually do for others. Uh, so Rabbi Khanna says, um, we were, I was walking on the way uh, with Rabbi Yochanan, and I wanted to ask him about this very um, uh, uh, derasha. And um, uh, when he would go into he would go into the bathroom, I was asking him on the way, and he went into the bathroom, and I wanted to ask him. But he would not answer me until he first finished by going to the bathroom, washed his hands, 
put back on his tefillin. They used to wear tefillin all day, but they would take him off when he went to the bathroom. And then he would make a blessing. And then only then he would answer us. And there's what he said. So we learned something, by the way, here, right? That um, the, 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 the uh, proper uh, order to do things when one goes to the bathroom and then comes out, you shouldn't speak Torah um, or converse in the bathroom at all or speak Torah until, right, you uh, uh, wash hands and say the Baracha, Perat and all that. And then he told us, um, e, no, even Kiem Amrina, Filu Kiem Amrinan, Limed Lo Amrinan. Nowadays, we actually do say Kiem. If a Torah scholar dies, we'll put a Torah on his coffin and we'll say he fulfilled everything that's in the Torah. But what we don't say is Limed, that he taught everything in the Torah. And that's the extra honor they did for King Chizkiah, is they even said that he taught everything in the Torah. Now we question that. Wait a second. The master said that uh, learning Torah is great because it leads to doing. That means doing is more is better than learning. So therefore, uh, saying that one fulfilled kiem is actually a higher level than limed. And so, how is that a greater honor for Chizkiyah? It sounds like uh, a lower level. That oh, he only learned, but he did not saying fulfilled. So because fulfilled is is greater. Since uh, I mean, since the the, the, the tradition is that learning is only better because it leads to doing, so therefore doing is better. And the answer is No, if it's talking about learning oneself, um, uh, then uh, th- then doing is better than learning for oneself. You learn on your own, it's necessary so that you can do. Uh, so yeah, but that, but in terms of teaching, that's the highest of all. Teaching others is higher than doing, which is higher than learning for oneself. Because if you're teaching others, then you're um, giving them the tools and ability and inspiration to them to themselves uh, practice and do all mitzvot. And so that's what Chizkiah did. He was known to teach Torah throughout the entire nation. And so for uh, most of people, we say this person fulfilled Chizkiah. They said he taught everything that's in the Torah. A pasuk in Yeshaya that we quoted all the way back at the beginning of the Masechet. Um, what does this mean in Yeshaya when it says at the end of days everything's going to be good and you're going to be so happy and blessed, you that sow beside all water, if you sow. Uh, uh, seeds be, be in, be next to water, then surely they will flourish and you'll have so much grain and grass that you'll send the feet of the ox and the donkey to go and um, eat um, all the, you know, you'll have so many, you'll have, be so plentiful, you have so much vegetation and so many animals and uh, that you'll be able to feed them with ease. Rabbi Yochanan says we should understand this allegorically um, that anyone who does uh, to, does these two things learns Torah and engages in, in, in uh, acts of righteousness. So both here we said, you know, if you have to choose one or the other, um, which one's more important? But obviously, um, uh, the answer, the best thing is to do both. Anyone who does both will get the um, the uh, inheritance, uh, the reward of two tribes, the two tribes that are represented by an ox and a donkey. As we explained, when it says, happy are you, those who sow, sowing, that refers to charity, as Pasukin Yeshaya that says, sow for yourselves, for charity, reap according to kindness. The idea is when you give to charity and give to others, then as such great effect and it grows and even more good things in the world, right? If you give charity, then you'll be able to reap um, kindness and uh, mayim. That says, so you're, and you're growing that, right? You're doing this uh, good gemilut chasadim alongside water and water refers allegorically to Torah. So that's someone who does gemilut chasadim and also learns Torah. As the Pasuk says, all those who are thirsty go to water and that refers to Torah study. Uh, so if a person does both of those things, zochel ke 
יוסף, תכתי בן פורת יוסף, בנות סעדה עלי שור, וזוכה לנחלת יששכר, תכתיב יששכר חמור גרם. They will uh, get the reward of the canopy, canopy of honor of יוסף. As it says, Yosef is like a fruitful vine by a fountain. Branches run over a wall. Uh, so I guess you imagine like an ivy, you know, uh, uh, ivy going up a wall and making a beautiful canopy. Um, and so Yosef will be as uh, uh, successful as that. And so someone that um, does both Torah and Gemul Hasadim will have that success. And furthermore, we'll also have the success mentioned, uh, but mentioned by Yisachar uh, that says he's compared to a donkey. As it says, Yisachar is a large and strong donkey. So um, they're as strong as a donkey. The shor here, even though we translate as wall, is the same word, letters as shor. So that's how we get that um, Yosef is compared to a shor and Yisachar to a donkey. And therefore, uh, one gets all of, these, all of this reward, which is good. Not that the person learns Torah um, and, and does Gemut Chasadim in order to get such reward, but rather um, that if one has um, uh, uh, economic and, uh, and, and physical success, um, then one will be able to learn Torah more uh, productively and do more Gemut Chasadim and give, give more Sadaka. So these enable someone to continue doing all the great things that they do. Or another interpretation, someone who learns Torah and does Gimil Chasadim will get reward um, like Yosef and Yisachar in a different way that a person's enemies will fall before him uh, just like that of Yosef, quoting the blessing in Vezot that says, uh, Yosef's horns are like that of a wild ox, and using them, he will gore the nations, uh, even to the ends of the earth. So that's the military success and might and protection and defense. And also, uh, that person will um, merit to have understanding, um, like Yisachar, regarding Yisachar, it says in Divrei Amim, and the children of Yisachar, men of understanding of the times, uh, and uh, the, to know what Israel ought to do, so they get both uh, physical military success as well as success in their study. I think it is fascinating that they, we have this Agadah at the end, and it quotes the very same Pesukim that we have at the beginning of it. So we have a kind of envelope structure around the entire chapter. And so you have, well, while in the middle, there's a lot of very technical details about exactly how much damage you have to pay in this case, and where it is, and what kind it is, and the categories, um, because you have to judge precisely what a person owes. Um, but this is embedded in an envelope structure, uh, referring to these blessings and um, Agadah, about the, and, and uh, about the end of times. And so what is this structure uh, telling us? What's the idea? So if we look um, uh, as an overview, I'm quoted here, just the, the very beginning and the end and the same Pesukim that are quoted. So up, up at the top it said, Keren, what's the derivation for goring? And, you know, really, you don't, there's clearer Pesukim. And instead it brings these Pesukim from Melachim, um, that Sidkiyah, the false prophet, uh, says, using these horns, you'll be able to go and conquer your enemies. And then it says uh, the blessing to Yosef. Um, the full pasuk of the blessing is here. right? The first uh, bull in majesty, the horns, like that wild ox with them, he gores peoples to the ends of the earth. Uh, and this is Ephraim, and this is Menashe. The idea here is that, so while horns and, you know, this kinds of, these kinds of dangerous things and weapons, while they can be used for damages, which is negative, but they can also be used for defense of the nation and uh, thereby be part of a, a such an important blessing uh, to bring uh, security to the entire nation. And so uh, quoting the, you know, the flip side, the negative side of damages, but also the positive side of Keren, that it can bring uh, redemption and protection. And so uh, that's uh, that's at the beginning of the Pedic and at the end of the Pedic also um, uh, makes, makes reference to it again, uh, that a uh, person's enemies will fall before him if he does right Righteousness, in other words, does not make sure not make sure not to engage in damaging others. 
and causing the, the destruction and, and doing evil things. But rather, if one does give milut chasadim, the opposite, and learns Torah, like learns this pedic, and then understands, right, the sensitivities of, uh, uh, of making sure not to cause damage and harm people, right, then uh, one will have merit that instead of having his oxen gore others negatively and cause damage and, and cause him, sell him to pay, uh, instead, his oxes, his his um, his uh, animals, and um, his horns will be used for his own protection. So it's uh, you know the flip side, the positive side of such things. And similarly, um, in the beginning, when it says shen and regel, how do we know that? What's the source for for regel? And it says uh, one pasuk is vishilach, which is a clear cut pasuk that says you know an animal goes and uh, to someone else's field and causes damage. But then it quotes. An unusual pasuk um, regarding someone who uh, has plants besides water and he sends forth his ox and his donkey. And this is referring to a time in the future of, of, of redemption when a person will not have to uh, struggle and will be, and be able to enjoy all the, the, the good and prosperity of the land of Israel. Um, and so, of course, that pasuk, as well as a pasuk in, uh, in, um, in uh, Melachim, uh, regarding Shen as a punishment for Yeruvam for the evil uh, for the evil king. And so it quotes here this Pasuk in Yeshaya at the beginning, and then this Pasuk in Yeshaya comes up again at the very end of our Masechet, although it's in an ABBA structure. Right? First it quotes here a uh, Pasuk from about Yosef and Zotobaracha, and then Yeshaya. And at the end, of course, first Yeshaya, and then the Pasuk about Yosef. Um, but the context of the Pasuk in Yeshaya is how great are people who, how happy are people that um, uh, learn Torah and do Gimedut Chasadim. And they, with their oxen and donkeys, won't have the problem of wandering off into other people's fields and causing damage, and uh, people then fighting with each other and having to pay money and restitution and all the, all the problems that come along with that. Um, and so rather than that, instead, you'll have your own pasture and uh, well, everything that you need will grow. You'll have plenty of water, plenty of plants, plenty of animals uh, to go and eat all, the, all of them and you'll be happy. So in the merit of uh, making sure that we um, learn Torah and do Gimilut HaSadim and treat others with kindness and righteousness and, um, and uh, outgoing charity, uh, we won't, uh, we'll be saved from uh, being caused damage and causing others damage and we'll be, we'll be able to receive all the blessings of the Torah, the blessings of Yosef, the blessings that Yeshaya uh, talks about. Um, so you see that this uh, Agadah is really um, brings us, it gives us the essence of what this Pedek is all about. And the Gemara actually says it somewhat explicitly, quite explicitly, in Masechet Shabbat, when it lists the, um, the, 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 uh, all the Sedarim of the Mishnah from the Pasuk, and so each one of these words refers to another Seder and says Yeshuot in this Pasuk. Um, in Mishle, was Yeshuot referred to? It is said in Nezikin. Nezikin is compared, is uh, connected to redemption. Well, what's the connection between Nezikin and redemption? Right? I might think, uh, I don't know, other things might be connected to redemption. Maybe Korbanot, or I don't know what. Um, Rashi says, Moshi'an, Mazilif, Rosh, Mehezek, Umitchayab, Mamon. By uh, making sure to stay away from damages and being and having to pay money, uh, so that saves people. Right? Uh, that's what Rashi explains, and that's true, of course. Um, but I think there's a deeper meaning here that uh, the laws of damage are the uh, damages are the essence of being sensitive to the needs of others, and uh, that um, is prevented by gemilut chasadim and the study of Torah. And the more one learns, said then Ezekiel the more one recognizes, right, what that damage uh, really means. And there's all kinds of ways that uh, one can cause damage by not returning something or by uh, looking at someone the, in, in, the, in the wrong way and all kinds of other things. And when one becomes sensitized to that, then what will prevent people from 
um, from damaging, and that will ultimately uh, bring uh, righteousness and therefore redemption. So in a very fundamental way, these Pesukim that is quoting at the beginning and at the end um, are not simply technical legal sources for how do you know Keren, how do you know Shen and Regel, uh, but really are the ultimate derivation and goal of the laws that we studied in this um, in this pedic. Hazran Alach Arbaa Avot. That brings us to the beginning of the second pedic. Kesad Haregel Muaedet. This is following up immediately uh, and with the end of the Mishnah in the first pedic that talked about Regel being Muad. And so, what is the case of uh, Regel? Lishaber Bederech Hilucha. That means if an ox is walking the way it normally walks, and as it's walking, it smashes things with its legs. That is a normal way of it being wa- of walking and therefore is to be expected. And if this happens in the uh, domain of the Nizak, then the owner of the ox is fully liable. Mu'ad. And now we have another statement that seems to be a repetition, that an animal is considered forewarned when it comes to walking in its normal way and breaking things as it's walking. So the is going to ask, why do we need both of these sentences it seems redundant. If, however, the animal was not walking in a normal way, but kicking, uh, animal can, you know, kind of get angry and, and be purposefully kicking and breaking things, or that it was walking in its normal way, and then pebbles, uh, were propelled and flew out from under its legs and broke a vessel. In both of these cases, the owner only has to pay half a nezik. Why? Well, in this case, this is not the normal way of walking, and so therefore it doesn't fit into uh, the normal category. If it's walking normally, you have to pay full amount. But if it's an unusual way of walking, then only half. And the case of uh, of the pebbles, well, this is indirect. Uh, the animal did not break those, didn't touch the vessels. It just uh, was walking in its normal way. And then independently, uh, or incidentally, uh, indirectly, uh, the pebble flew and broke a vessel, so there I am not fully responsible, which makes sense. It's also, we're going to see a lachalam uh, shemisinai, but it's also is logical. Darsa al hakeli ushvaratu, venafal al hakeli ushvaro, al adishon meshalem nezik shalem, valacharon meshalem hasi nezik. Now we can combine these cases together. If a animal is uh, going on, the, is walking on the way, and steps on a vessel and uh, breaks it. And then that vessel falls on top of another second vessel and breaks it, kind of like dominoes. So it smashes the first one, but it doesn't touch the second one. But the first vessel, as it's being smashed, touches and breaks a second one. So for the first one, you have to pay full amount because that is a normal case of regel. As it's walking, it breaks something. And the second one is the same as a pebble. It's only broken indirectly and therefore only has to pay a half. So even for the one same one act and two, the two vessels get broken, for the first one he pays a full, full amount and the second one only half of the damage. Now all this applies not only to animals but also chickens. They are are forewarned regarding their normal way of, of walking. If a chicken is walking along, hopping along, uh, as it normally does, and breaks something, the owner is fully liable. But if there's a string tied to it and it flies off and breaks something like the pebbles, or it was hopping and then it, by, by hopping it um, caused something to fly out, and break a vessel indirectly, um, then they pay, he pays half a damage, right? So this is uh, equivalent to the ox cases, but just applied to a chicken. All right, that's the Mishnah. So Ravina asks about the first line. Why does it say, oh, the Regel is Mu'ad, and then it says the Behema is Mu'ad? Uh, that's the same thing. You just gave, gave the same exact cases of walking in its normal way. And his answer is, no, the first line is talking about the Avot Nezi 
Tzadikin, Rekel, and then the second line is talking about uh, subcategories, uh, Toladot of it. And so that's why I repeated it twice, to include both. Okay. But this doesn't work for because later on, on Dafyutet, we're going to see an, the, uh, con- the, the continuation of the Mishnah that says also regarding Shen, Kesada Shen Mu'adet Lechot Shen is when it eats something that it uh, normally eats. And Behema, Mu'adet Lechot Perot Virakot. And then the same thing with Behema. So same structure as our Mishnah. And it says, yeah, to eat fruits and vegetables. But then it doesn't go on to, to talk about Toladot. And so there's no Toladot here. So we can't say the same thing, uh, the same answer. Over here, uh, for Regel, it says, okay, Fine. It talks about avot and toladot, but over there there's no toladot. My toladot ika, so you can't give that answer. What are you going to say? Hava mehakamehadel bebedichuta veamale ana shenai hada veat shene hada. So Ravina was one that told Rava this chidush in the first place. Rava asked this question. Ravina answered with a joke and said, "Listen, I solved one Mishnah. You solved the other Mishnah." Okay, this is funny because yeah, the, we really uh, Rava is challenging Ravina's answer and saying your answer doesn't work because it does not apply to the second one. But uh, Ravina's like, "Well, I, I fit it with the first one. You fit it with the second one." Even though Rava was Rava's point was that no, you're wrong about the first one also. Okay, so that's, that is actually pretty funny. All right, Vitama Mai. So uh, well, we do need an answer. So what is the answer. Amar Rav Asher, Tana Shen de Haya veKatani Shen de Behema. Sakada dechamina veshilachet beiroketi Behema in Hayala. Kamashmalan dechaya bechlal Behema. Rav Asher explains that in the Mishnah over there, uh, it says the first line is talking about that of a Hayav, a wild animal, and then that of a Behema. So that's why it says see, it says Behema here, Moedet. So therefore, by process of elimination, we can say that the Shen in the first line is talking about a wild animal that also, if it goes and eats um, in someone's field, then the owner of that wild animal will be liable. Now, I might have thought otherwise, since the Pasuk itself in Sefer Shemot says he sends his animal, Be'ayro, referring to a domesticated animal, I might have thought that the laws of damages apply only to domesticated animals, but not to wild animals. And that's why the Mishnah here has to add an extra line to say, Shen, wild animals also. Wait, if that's so, then really you should have put the Behemah first, since you learned that from a Pasuk. So you should say the main case, Behemah, we learn it from Pasuk in Shemot, and then say, oh, also Shen, to refer to Hayot. And the answer is, Actually, the Tana of the Mishnah, he put the, the one that's derived from a Dirasha because it's more dear to him. The Pasuk says something explicitly, okay, we know, we kind of take it for granted, everybody knows the Pasukim, but something that you learn from a Dirasha, look at the power of a Dirasha, that you can derive one thing from another, that's, that's um, more, more beautiful, more beloved. I mean, anytime you have something just handed to you, you take it for granted. But if you have to work at it and create it and do something, Something, right then it's more beloved and so here the rabbis had to derive it and therefore it's quoted first if that's true over there then you'll hear also regarding regel um, you should put the the toladot first and then the avot the idea being that the avot we take for granted that's explicitly what it says in the Torah and the toladot is what we derive so since what you derive is more beloved it should say the toladot first no, you can't compare them. There in the second Mishnah regarding Shen, all of them were examples of Avot. It's an Av for a Chaya, an Av for a Behema, just, you know, which kind of animal is doing it. So there we want to put the Derasha before the explosive Pasuk. So we do that. But here, when we're talking about different categories, main categories and subcategories, it wouldn't make any logical sense to put a subcategory before a main category. And so there's so here certainly, even though the main category is from the Torah and uh, more beloved ours did a shot, but still we have to be logic. We have to be logical and put the 
main category before the subcategory? That's one answer. Or another answer is at the very end of the previous Mishnah, we were talking about Regel. And so we start off also here talking about Regel as the main category. And uh, once we talk about the main category, then we could talk about the subcategories uh, with by adding the second line. Now that we mentioned the Toladot of Regel, uh, here is a Braita that is going to list a whole bunch of uh, subcategories of Regel. This is, uh, these are all uh, things that one uh, animal will damage um, uh, by, in a normal course of walking, except that if the damage doesn't, is not done by his leg directly, but by a different part of his body. So when we say that, that was, this is the second line of the Mishnah, that an animal is mu'ad, is forewarned, if it's walking on it in its normal way and breaking, what would that be? Because we already said, if it's massing something, the first the first sentence already mentioned the main av, which was with its leg. So how? what's the second one, which is toladot? By the way, Shen also does have toladot, but the reason we can't ascribe that second Mishnah later to toladot is because um, it actually says in the second line there, if it eats fruits and vegetables, which is the normal way of eating. So with the toladot are all other things that are not just eating fruits and vegetables. Um, so that's why we have to give a different answer there regarding uh, Doraita and something learned from a derasha. All right, so what are these toladot? First of all, it has to be still in the courtyard of the injured party for uh, the owner to be liable. And whilst walking normally, it breaks something with its body, right? With, its, with the weight of its body, it pushes something over um, or smashes something. Or even with its hair, something gets caught in its hair while it's walking normally and breaks. Uh, with its saddle or saddle bag. The halter in its mouth knocks into something, or the bell that's on its neck bangs into something, or similarly with a donkey and uh, its, its burden that, that it's holding is sticking out and breaks something. Uh, all these are the same as Regel, and what this is a normal way uh, for it to act, and therefore the owner has to pay full amount. Sumchos disagrees and says regarding pebbles that indirectly cause damage or a pig that is burrowing and it's normal way to burrow in garbage in garbage pit and it smashes something while it's doing that they have to pay a full amount. Now this is curious because Sumchos doesn't seem to be talking about any case that was mentioned here. We ask, Hizik Peshita. Well, Simchus, why are you telling me that if a pig breaks something, he has to pay full amount? Isn't that obvious? Like, there's no argument here. Rather, the pig here is not that he breaks something directly. If he breaks something directly, then obviously he would be liable because he's acting in a normal way for pigs to act. Um, so that'll be fully liable. But rather, it's talking about if while he is burrowing in the garbage, he he uh, pushes something and it flies out and knocks, some, knocks over something else and breaks something else, then he has to pay a full amount. And so actually, um, so fine, we got that case. Now we ask further, Okay, still there's a, a lack of continuity between the Tanakama and Sumchus because uh, the Tanakama did not talk about pebbles. So why is Sumchus all, all of a sudden talking about pebbles and, now that we established this is a pig, that indirectly uh, causes one thing to, uh, one vessel to destroy another. Uh, who, who, we didn't talk about pebbles and indirect destruction. Uh, you're right, despite that we're missing some words, and here's what it's supposed to say. We're missing words. First, the Braita brought all the regular cases of an animal uh, breaking something with its body. It doesn't have to be with its leg, with, its leg, with any part of its body or anything attached to it. That would be a normal way of breaking things and uh, one is fully liable. However, and this is the part that we're missing, 
if the animal uh, is just is simply walking and pebbles are propelled and it breaks something or similarly if a pig is uh, doing its normal thing in the in the garbage and something get, flies out because of its um, because of what it's doing and causes damage then hasinezik that's the halacha that we saw earlier hasinezik because this is an unusual thing uh, or it's a, or rather in this in this case it's indirect and therefore serorot hasinezik and uh, now we learn that's only the opinion of Tanakama, uh, Rabbanan. Sumchus, however, says that even indirect uh, uh, damage with pebbles or with a pig that is, in, is playing around in the garbage and something flies out and causes damage, full payment, that's Sumchus' opinion, full payment for Sedorot. Okay, good. Now we're going to see three Baraitot that all say basically the same thing. If you have chickens that are flying around, hopping and, with, with, and flying with their wings from place to place, and they break something with their wings, their wing knocks into something, well, even though it's not with its feet, it's the same thing as Regal, that's its normal way of traveling, and it's direct, so he has to pay a full amount. But if by flapping its wings, it push it make it makes wind, and the wind breaks something, that's the same as pebbles, and therefore only has to pay it's indirect and only has to pay half. According to Sumachus, however, full amount, even if it's indirect. Second, Tanya Idach. If a chicken is hopping on dough or produce and they uh, make it make it all bad, uh, or they peck at it and it's, it's damaged, they have to pay. You have to pay a full amount because this is a normal activity of chickens. And so this will be the same as Regal, even though it might be doing it with its beak and pecking around at it. Um, nevertheless, that's a tolada of Regal. However, if they were just hopping around nearby and causing and cause dust to come and or pebbles, and they go and break, uh, uh, cause damage to something that's indirect and therefore only chasi nezik. So Mechus again here says, no, full nezik, because he thinks that even indirect damage, one is liable fully. Tanya idach a third baraita. Tanegoshiyam afriach b'makom b'makom v'yastaruach mitachat kenafa v'shibera et hakelim b'shem chasinezik setama ke rabanan. And the third baraita says a chicken's flying from place to place and wind indirectly causes something to break. You have to pay only half nezik. Here it doesn't say sumachus. Um, but we see here is that the stam. These are all anonymous. Uh, statements, and so the anonymous statements are the same as Rabbanan. That's why they're anonymous, to say that this is the majority opinion. Okay, good. So, Rabbanan is asking about this, the, the logic here. I understand the logic of Sumchus. He thinks that a, a somewhat a force generated by an animal is the same as the animal's body itself. So therefore it doesn't matter if the animal's body physically touches something and breaks it, or if it causes a pebble or wind and that indirectly breaks something, it's still the, from the force of your body, so it's the same. And that's why full nezik. According to Rabbanan, if you consider the uh, extended force of a person to be the same as their body, then you should pay the full amount. That's what Sumachos says. And if you think it's not that the, an indirect cause is not like a person's own body, then pay nothing. In other words, it should be all or nothing. How'd you come up with half? And uh, so that was the question. This is really, it is like one's body, because uh, otherwise, if it's just a, a random force, you know, a, a random wind comes, it's not my problem, right? Uh, things fly around all the time, just from, from nature. Um, so therefore, we have to say that the force that a person has in pushing a pebble or wind is an extension of their own body and therefore really should be responsible. So really Sumchos from the letter of the law, um, from the basic logic, is correct. 
However, there, that's, this is where we bring the halacha as needed to say, even so, uh, we're going to be lenient on the person since it wasn't oh, exactly his body that did it, but it's only indirect. So you know what? For indirect, you only have to pay half, and that's simply a, a, a tradition from the oral law. Lastly, Amarava, Koshibizav Tameh, Binizakin, Mishalem Nezik Shalim, Vehoshibizav Tahor, Binzakin Mishalem Hasi Nezik. Rava, very interesting, Rava was the um, champion of conceptualization, and he very interestingly compares two very, very different halachot, and he says anything that a Zav would make Tameh through contact, um, uh, regarding this uh, in uh, damages, one would have to pay a full amount. But, if any interaction between a zav and an item would not make it tameh, then uh, the if an animal does it, um, in cases of damages, would only have to pay half the amount. So a zav is a high level of tumah. A zav causes can can uh, impart tumah by touching something, but also by carrying it, even if he's not directly touching it. If he's if there's something, if he's carrying a tray or items, and there's something all the way on top, and he lifts it. And he's carrying it, even though he's not touching it, still becomes Tameh. Similarly, if Azav sits on something, even if he sits on 10 mattresses uh, all the way on top, and nevertheless, the chair or the bed all the way on the bottom becomes Tameh, just from his, his, its weight. And so you see um, here, uh, in all the cases of Azav, it's something that is directly uh, connected to the Zav, even if it's not touching directly the item that becomes Tameh, he is touching something that's touching something that's touching something that is uh, imparting Tum'ah. And therefore that's the same for ne- for nezikin, um, if the animal or anything that is touching, like it's a saddlebag, or, or even if it's t- something is touching the saddle, is attached to the saddlebag, and if it's you know direct force contact um, there between the animal and the broken item, then you have to pay a full amount. But if not, if there's if it's just air in between, um, uh, then uh, that would we would only pay a half nezik because if there's only air in between, there's no way a zav can make something tame with just air. Um, unlike maybe like an ohel, that a a, 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 a a dead body can make things in the in its airspace uh, tame, um, but that not so for zav. So Rava notices an interesting correlation between these. Rava, so So now we ask Rava, what what is what are you telling us that's new? Are you trying to teach us that pebbles is chazin nezek? Right? Oh, we know that already. We just we just discussed it. And it says la Rava eglam moshechet bekaron kamashmalan. No, Rava is teaching us a new law about an animal pulling a wagon. Let's say it's pulling a wagon, which is a normal thing to do, and it's not that the animal's foot smashes something, but the wheel of the wagon smashes something. So what do we call that? Is that direct and full nezik, or is that like a pebble indirect? And so the answer is, well, let's see. If it were a zav, and the zav pulled something, um, he, that would make it tameh, and so therefore here also, if the uh, if it's if the cart runs over something or smashes into something, then the owner of the animal it will be fully liable because it's directly connected. A zav would be make it tameh, so the animal is considered connected, and you have to he has to pay full. Uh, the owner has to pay full amount. Tanya kivatederava. We have a brayta. That supports this chidush of Rava. And in what cases is an animal forewarned to break things in a, in a normal way? Kesad, in the normal way of walking. Kesad, so the case we had cases we had before it goes into the shutanizak and it causes damage the way it normally walks and uh, with its uh, hair or with a, a saddle or saddle bag or the halter or the bell or the donkey with what it's carrying or and this is the new one um, a calf that's pulling a cart in all these cases this is a direct part uh, of its body or something directly connected to its body and therefore one has to pay the full amount Baruch Adonai Le'olam Amen Ve'Amen